and I, I might feel like my life uh, is driving towards something and that is a great feeling to have and uh, but I do not I still do not feel like I'm in a place of complete peace uh, and and the conclusion or the realization that I've been coming to lately welcome to own the future a podcast made for and by change makers where we gain the courage to own our story the freedom to own our craft and the power to own the future i am your host lucas grobot and today we have the one and only abdullah Ma'awli. and i'm pretty sure abdullah has been on this show so much that i probably <laughs> should rename the show the abdullah and lucas show and um, maybe I'll end up doing that in the future, but I'd like to welcome today the one and only Abdullah Ma'awli. Abdullah, thank you so much for being here today, tonight. It's like 11 o'clock, and uh, thanks for... Uh, it's an absolute sure. pleasure, man. But for, wait, how many episodes do you have in your list? You know what? This is episode 129. It's actually ep There's actually two other episodes that snuck in there without a real number. But this is episode 129. The last time you were on was 1, 10, 11, and 12. Wow. And uh, the first time you were on was episode 9. That's amazing. But uh, yeah, considering that I've been on your show, uh, what is it? Like, is this number four or three? Uh, this, this is technically, technically, I posted one of the time that I was on your show. I posted it on my show. So this is the fifth time that you've appeared on the show. Okay, considering that that's just like the fourth or fifth time out of 120, I think you should just still keep the name of your show. Don't change that. <laughs> well, maybe. We'll see. I'll pro I probably will keep the name of the show, but I'm, I'm just, I always love when you are on the show. It is so, you, I mean, the, I, the, the tagline for the show, if you own your story, you'll own the future. That came from you. So um, I owe a lot. I owe a lot to you. Wow. But I realized, I realized that the first time that we talked, you had actually not launched True Story Tents. You had it was an idea, you were planning it, but I don't think you had actually hosted the first one yet. Had you? The podcast or the the events? When we both. When did we speak? I think we first met in August in two thousand and eighteen. No, I've already started the events by then. I started in January of 2018. Okay, so you'd already started, but it was yeah, but still it, fresh. I, I didn't start the podcast yet. I, I started the podcast in January of 2019. So I, I think I spoke about doing that in the first time I appeared in your podcast. Okay, that that's probably what it was. So for those for those of you folks who are out there who sadly don't know who Abdullah is or what True Story Tent is, True Story Tent is a forum where Abdullah gathers um, people in the region. And he goes, he's done it in Dubai. He's done it in was it Jeddah or Riyadh? Uh, I did it in Jeddah, but mainly mainly it's been in Oman. Uh, we've total so far we've done sixteen gatherings. Um, two of which have been outside of Oman and the rest have all been here. Right. And so you gather people together and instead of you talking, everyone's ear off, you host other people and people tell their true stories. And it has kind of become, I, I mean, I know you took it from uh, a format from The Moth where that's what they do 
and then they put it up on their podcast and it's highly successful. And you've told the story before here on this podcast and on many other episodes of how the reason that you did it was because you wanted that experience for yourself. You wanted to be able to sit and be in that space. And you said, enough already. I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it for me. I'm going to step out and do it myself. Yeah, absolutely. That was the reason I started, but that is not the reason why I've been, uh, I've continued so far. If, if uh, that was a good reason to start and try something out and see if it would be interesting or not, but it's, it's not a good enough of a reason to keep it going for over two years now running with all the challenges that come with it. So what kept it going was something much more than just curiosity, although that's what started it. Right, because it's it's it takes a lot of work to put on an event and then your your podcasts are edited and you're not cash flowing on this. You know, you're not making millions of dollars on this where you can do this full time. You still have you still have a full time job. And so it is a, you know, it's a labor of love, but it seems like it's become, I don't want to say become more than a labor of love, but it's its kind of taken on a life of its own. It's, it's become bigger than who you are, bigger than you. Yeah, I, 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 that's, I believe that to be true 100%. Um, for, how, how did that happen? Because I know in a lot of episodes and interviews, you've kind of talked about the, the beginning forms of it and what the, the format is, but how did it be? How did it become bigger than who you are? I think when I started it out of curiosity, I had certain expectations of uh, what people will be getting out of it. You know, I, I assumed that um, as a listener, um, I looked at it from the perspective of the listeners mainly. I, I, I assumed that if a listener goes and listens to someone else's story, they will... Uh, learn a couple of things they will they will they will they will see things and perspectives that they have not seen before that's the main reason i started because i learned so much from listening to podcasts like the moth and so many other storytelling podcasts that are in the west uh, and i only looked at it from the perspective of the listener but when we started putting these events together and i started getting feedback from the storytellers themselves uh, and even feedback from from the listeners themselves, and I realized people are getting way, way more out of this than I originally imagined. And the more feedback mm. that started coming in, particularly feedback on how much it meant for storytellers themselves to come up and share, and uh, the fact that they have never actually sat down and properly... Uh, reflected on the experience that they have faced in their past and derived lessons from their very own experiences and just the things that happened behind the scenes after the event has taken place it just it constantly blows my mind how much this means to people this went way beyond what I thought people will get out of it and I think at some point it's it started to feel like a responsibility. Uh, I started something here, and I I see what it 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 what it means to the people who attend it, whether they share or not, or they're just listening. And mm. I feel a almost a sense of responsibility to keep this going and. Um, I, I, when you told me you want to have this interview, by the way, I, I, I said to you, like, but what are we going to talk about? I don't want to just talk about the overview of true story tent. And because, you know, um, 
I've been fortunate enough to be yeah. able to talk about it yeah. with you and with uh, a few other media outlets who asked me about it. So I said, let's talk about perhaps purpose, you know, your forte. That's where that's the whole essence of uh, your podcast. And I, I think the reason I said that to you was because that's what I felt uh, uh, in the past couple of years working mm. on True Story Tent. I I felt for the first time that I am the I'm I'm in the right place at the right time and I am the best person to wow. be doing what I am doing wow. right now. I genuinely feel that. Um and that's the fire that keeps me moving forward. It's not curiosity anymore. I'm I'm not curious. I am certain that this does good for society. I know that now. And I know that I am the the right person to be pushing this forward to be to keep this moving forward. I am the right person, not because of all of my strengths, but also because of all of my weaknesses. I am the right person to to be able to um, to to grow this very specific concept, you know, true story tent in particular. So you said, you, you know, you said something very interesting right there that it's no longer out of curiosity, and in in a way, you started it out of curiosity, but it's it's overtaken that, and it's become what you feel is a responsibility. And a lot of it, it's not because you feel, I mean, you've said that it's because you feel like you're, for the first time in your life, you're in the right place and you're in the right time, that you're in that that space where you're like, this is a purpose that I have in the earth and I'm walking and fulfilling that out. But the the way that you framed it even earlier in, in your comment was about the people, about the people who come and what happens at these events and the feedback you get afterwards and the reactions that people get. That's what I really want to hear. I'm curious, very curious, um, because, you know, you hear a little bit here and there. You you see that, you know, I see that you, you set up a registration page and within five minutes, the whole thing's booked out. So I can see the, you know, the flashpoints that there's something happening but I don't, I'm not in your DMs and I don't hear the stories, you know, when you're at a coffee shop of someone coming up to you and saying, no, oh, I listened to this story or I was at this true story tent um, event. I want to know what are some of the stories that have really stuck out to you and touched your heart? Not necessarily that people maybe shared at the event, but afterwards, what are the after effects and the ripple effects from what you're doing that is that is motivating you and pushing you forward i'll give you a, a recent example because this is the first thing that comes to mind it happened recently we did a a, a story gathering on adoption being the specific theme of that evening and uh, what mm. we did was we invited um parents who have adopted children as well as adoptees children who are adults who have been adopted to come and share their experiences on a, on the matter, and I remember I still have this text. I I like I start the text. It was um, it, um, I'm I'm blown away that it had this kind of real world impact. But one of the storytellers from that evening, a father who has adopted a child, sent me a message a few days later, saying that it is because of you and because of True Story Tent that a child will be getting a loving home. And it was because wow. of that one event. It was because someone who attended that evening, I'm not sure who this person is, I don't know why they attended, 
listened to this father's story and felt something that moved them enough to ask them to meet with them. And they met at a coffee shop and they connected. And before you know it, this person is absolutely serious to go forward at, in adopting a child that it was a direct result wow. of attending that evening. And this is like one one example wow. of like this is one example that I heard of. I, I, I don't know what happens behind the scenes with all the things that I haven't heard of. But this was so concrete to me, you know, like one plus one equaled two. Like it still blows me away that that happened. When things like that happen, Lucas, it's like you you know your what you're doing is not just abstract. It's tangible, you know. Mm. Uh, and it's examples like that. I, I, I wish I could think of more. There's so many different like little scenarios like that that has happened throughout the last two years. But this is the most recent one that uh, really stuck with me. Uh, but yeah, that, that's one. I'll, if I could think of more as we have our conversation, I will, I will, I will, I will bring that up as well. So, I mean, this is an amazing story. Uh a father shares a story of him adopting some his child, adopting a child that obviously is now his son or daughter. And then someone who heard that story, followed up with him afterwards, had coffee, and then said, I'm, they are actually going to go and adopt as well. Is that right? Yeah. Who am, who am I? Who should I call? What should I do? How do I get started? Like, it, it, there was action after that. And that, I mean, that is so powerful. I think that's what you know, every person wants to feel and see is making that, making that impact, making a change. And I mean, really, I mean, my heart is, is so close to adoption. My, I have three, four cousins who were adopted and I feel like I'm closer to them than I am to some of my other cousins. And, um, so I just, you know, me and my wife, we want to adopt so hearing this story, you know, especially when you're telling me I had goosebumps, you know, just all over my body, because um, it's such a powerful and such a moving story. And so why, why do you think that it's having such a, an impact and a flashpoint? Like why, like what's happening at these events? I mean, it's just people's stories, but why is it so impactful? I I think, and I'm just gonna speculate here. Uh, I I I genuinely I'm always blown away, and I think I'm always just blown away because I don't quite understand what is happening. I, all I know is that I'm on the right path, and I think what is happening here is people's desire to just connect with other human beings. We live in an age of technology and social media, and all our air quotes connections, and uh, it happens online. Mm -hmm. And for there to be a real world space where people can literally just sit face to face to each other, not to party, but to share a piece of their history and who they are and what they went through, uh, that there is a craving for that. There is a lack of that in today's world. And so there is a craving for that. And that is my theory as well as to why we get fully booked in five minutes. You know, I don't have other solid theories. I don't think we're doing the best marketing job in the world. I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I really thought long and hard about why that is happening. And I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing right 
uh, or what I'm doing wrong. All I know is it comes from a place of a desire to connect with another human being and a, in a real face-to-face -face human way uh, that we have been lacking in today's world. I'd say probably more so uh, uh, in the West, maybe, but it's also, it's very, it's it's very prevalent here, particularly in the capital, Muscat, where we, we live, you know? Maybe in the interiors, they still have more of that connection with the community, but uh, in the capital, mm. it's less so. So perhaps, I, uh, that is my theory as to why that may be, I think, you know, what do you think? Do you have any theories as to why that may be? Well, I'm, I guess my, you know, going off of what you're saying, it still seems like here, you know, in, in Muscat, I mean, I have not lived in Muscat, so I don't know for sure, but it still seems to have much more of kind of that family connection than like you mentioned in the West. Um, I, I have some ideas of why I think that it's working so well, but I had a question before I get into my ideas, um, which was, is that is that what you feel like you're doing? That you're you're just creating a space for people to be able to connect with one another? Because I mean, you started as a as a space for to hear other people's stories, but it seems like even as you've said that you you're, you've moved out of the place of curiosity into this place of purpose and meaning and responsibility. And is it now that it's not so much that you're creating a podcast, it's not so much that you're creating content or some business, but you're creating a space for people to come outside of their normal circles or normal bubbles, their digital kind of phone world and connect face to face? Yes, that's partly it. And then it's, it's, um, we live in a culture as well. Uh, we live in a culture of, you know, everything is so taboo to talk about and, mm. you know, don't say it because if you say it, it might happen to you or don't say it because what, what will other people think? That is a big part of yeah. our culture yeah. that we live in. And what happens when you live in this sorts of culture is when you face, uh, uh call it hardship or you face a situation and you can't share with that with anyone else, what's the result of that? You end up feeling like you're literally alone because no one else is talking about it. So you are the only one who is going through this or you are the only one who truly understands what it feels like to go through this. Or maybe you, you do realize that there are others like you out there, but how do you reach out to them, you know? So having a, a platform like this, particularly now recently where we've been doing more themed nights, uh, focusing on specific matters or issues, people who are going through these particular issues, whether it be cancer or abuse or adoption, can come out of their shell and come to a gathering where they'll meet others who went through similar experiences as they did. And it does come down to human connection and connecting with other people who have either been in your shoes or are currently going through what you're going through so that you feel less alone in the world that you live in in this very digital world that we live but isn't in. that but isn't that kind of counterintuitive you said you know in the middle east in the, the gulf there is such a cult culture of abe and isn't people coming out and meeting with strangers who they don't know where it's not safe 
and sharing a personal story that could be very exposing to themselves or their family, doesn't it seem like it's countercultural? Like it, it seems like it actually wouldn't, like I, I could hear, you know, I'm sure you had conversations with people two years ago, a year ago, whenever saying, well, this will never work because, and they list all the cultural reasons of why it would never work, but it seems like it is working. So I think that's maybe something that confuses people of like, wait, this is so counter-cultural. Like you're saying that you you live in a culture of, of Abe, which for those who um, don't speak Arabic, that's shame. So that you live in a culture of Abe, but yet here's people dying and, you know, I can't even get a spot to save, you know, if I wanted to, you know, it's like you sell out faster than, you know, you two or Madonna tickets. <laughs> so, so, like, right, like Backstreet Boys back in 99. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's so, like, people are dying to get there, dying to share their, their embarrassing stories or their shameful stories. I mean, you're picking topics that, it seems to me, like you're picking topics that you know that you're not supposed to pick. Okay, so... One of the reasons why I started the podcast, uh, or not the podcast, sorry, the events in English was to address th th that concern, actually. Uh, my assumption is, and it still is my assumption, that um, uh, and generally, and this is a, I know this is a vast generalization, I really do not mean to offend anyone, but it's generally true that uh, um, Arabs or Omanis who have uh, a good uh, grasp of English or speak English as their primary primary language are more likely to be perceptive to such a concept than purely Arabic speaking uh, audiences or audiences who do not speak Arabs. And the assumption here, I think, is uh, Arabs who speak English well as uh, their second or even first language are more likely to be open to different ideas from around the world and not just from the Middle East itself. So they're more likely to be uh, or less prone to be in, put in, in that... Um, to, to what's the word am I looking for? Like to to be stuck in that idea of taboo and and being unable to share because they're too afraid for of what others will say. Nonetheless, it still exists with English speak an English speaking crowd, and the goal is to eventually move to uh, Arabic and English. But the idea first was to start with English because I knew people will be more receptive to it. And once people start seeing the value of what we're doing and that speaking out about matters um, that are generally considered taboo is doing more good than harm, then hopefully we can transition to an Arabic speaking crowd, if that makes sense. I understand exactly what you're saying about the counterintuitiveness, because we do live in a culture of Aib. Absolutely, we do. And anyone that I, any Arab that I speak to will attest to that. Um, but at the same time, in order to to combat that or to help fix that or uh, to to go beyond that, um, I needed to find ways to do it in a way that's non-threatening and to make to normalize it. And the way I did that was I started with my immediate group of friends. 
The first event was 100% just my friends, you know? And then the event after that was their friends. And then the event after that was their friends. And it grew very organically like that, attracting people who, um, who are more likely to be able to come out and share their stories. But my goal, and I feel like this is when True Story Tent will truly become effective is when, and I think we're getting there, is when we're attracting people who have nothing to do with me or my friends, who have completely different mindsets. Um, and I think we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, but that was, when I first started, that was my thinking process that, as well. Do you fear that will water it down? Say that again? Do you fear that it will water it down? Like, you mean right when now? you're getting people with... No, you're saying, you said, you know, at some point you're going to get people with completely different mindsets. Do you feel like it would water down what you are trying to do? That if you go too broad and too inclusive, that it's actually going to lose kind of that core group mm. of people who say, you know, who've essentially have found a space where they can share free of judgment, free mm. of shame, free of aid. And do you feel like if it spreads out kind of wider beyond people who who aren't on the same page but are actually coming in with judgment, coming in with um yeah, kind of pushing back on some of the things that you're you're wanting to see kind of developed within your community, do you feel like that would cause people to feel unsafe? Possibly. And I think that's why I'm very careful about uh, how quickly or how organically we grow. Um, uh, that's why I avoid tactics like, hey, let's invite an influencer and make them the highlight of the evening so we can gain followers who don't even really care about what to, what we're trying to do here, but they just want to follow these influencers. So that is part of it. Absolutely. So it, the idea is to grow organically, but within that growing organically, I want us to grow organically to a point where I could reach uh, a point where we're attracting people who have totally different mindsets than we do. And when that happens, and I think it is slowly happening, it's when we, there'll be a true, there'll be a true evolution in our culture or uh, like uh, true growth in our culture. I, I'm... It, it still has a lot of value that uh, people with similar mindsets who have similar life issues come together and share stories and grow from that and connect with one another. There's absolute value in that. And if if that is all the true story tent can be, I am happy with that for now uh, for, and, the, for, and for the unforeseeable future. But if we're going to talk long term, I, I want to get people from the interior to come and speak. But I have to be careful about how we go about that, you know, because of that judgment and um, uh, people uh, not seeing what we're trying to do for what it really is. And maybe because mm -hmm. of the fear that they have of what this could be or what it might be that they might end up shutting it down and... Uh, it could get complicated. I think you've lived in the Middle East long enough to understand where I'm going with this. And I think other Middle Eastern listeners understand where, what I'm trying to say with this. You have to be careful with how you tackle these kind of matters and issues and topics. Yeah, you, I, I do understand. And kind of backtracking a little bit, you stole one of my questions, which was asking, you know, why you, you do these in English and so you already answered that, so I'm going to skip over that. 
Um, but I, I do find that that strategy interesting and effective that you're you're starting with people who are kind of already um, in a different space, who are already looking for other people in Muscat to connect with. And I feel like that naturally kind of gels um, a tight core group of people together who who are essentially saying, I found I found the others. I found my my group. I found my tribe. I found a group of people who are thinking like me and pushing boundaries like me and asking the questions that I'm I'm asking. Um, which leads me um, absolutely. And wouldn't which, be wouldn't it be beautiful if uh, if if this group of people grows to to others who were not a part of this mindset or community, but now they are because we introduced them to a way of being and to a way of not being afraid to share their stories. And maybe that's a very foreign concept to them. And it is because I speak to the older generation, my mom, my family members. And when I remember when this first started, these people love me and they want nothing but the best for me. But even they struggled to see what, like how this would work, you know, because they're very, they are hyper aware of, um, this culture that we right. have here. And um, I think with the older generation, particularly, they're much more concerned with that than at least my peers. So, but now if I speak to my mom, I mean, she's not there yet, but I think she could get to a point where she would be willing to share a story. Absolutely. And I think she, to me, she's, because she's one of the closest people to me. And I've seen her, sh the shift in her mindset from not getting why this is a thing and why would it, it would work to her being totally on board and not just that, supporting the Patreon page. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. It's amazing. <laughs> True story. Tells, uh, That's a plug page. and I love it. <laughs> you know? So I'm hoping that that, uh, that even though we started with our com the, the community that I'm familiar with and we can connect within us, that that community will slowly and organically grow to encompass more people that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have hung out with or actually had a proper conversation with. And it's because we connected uh, well, through and such even an initiative. Going back to um, Arab culture, it in some ways on the front side, it does, it, to your mom's point, it doesn't really make sense. Like, why would you do this? Um, because, especially because it's in this, it's in this public forum with people who aren't from your family, people that you don't know, with strangers who who aren't necessarily safe. But yet, once you kind of step past that, it it almost goes back to um that oral tradition and that that oral culture of sitting around a fire, sitting around the medjulis, and sitting and talking and sharing stories from your life, from your experience, from your your grandfathers and grandmothers. And passing that down in oral tradition, so I, I kind of see why. Um, once you kind of take a step past the the modern form of it, it actually harkens back to you know your your roots and your heritage in in many ways. Absolutely, and that's where the word tent from True Story Tent comes from. It's an homage to the Bedouins and the Bedouin culture of uh, oral storytelling, or. Um, um, so I know I know it's it's part of our past and history, but if I'm going to be completely honest, I'm no historian. I know that oral storytelling and the 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 arts of uh, language and words is a big part of the Arab culture, but I don't know how deep they actually went in the past. I don't know if they actually spoke about, for example, 
um, in a public setting about, oh, I'm having issues with my marriage. I don't know if that happened in the past, so I won't claim that I do. Um, it is an homage to that part of our culture, but I don't, I, um, me personally speaking, I, I don't know if what we're doing today has been done in, in our past to this extent. I don't know that. I I like to imagine that it was. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's where it becomes unsafe, right? Because the stranger isn't safe. I mean, even in Western culture, in many ways, you know, the stranger isn't a safe person when you have groups that are larger than you know, seven, when they're open groups, you don't know who might be coming, who might be saying what, who might be listening. Um, then, you know, all humans feel this level of um, insecurity or danger and uh, are kind of hesitant to open up. Um, but I think what's marking about what you're doing is that you are, you're kind of forcing vulnerability in a, in a culture that is very surface levelly. You're forcing um, in providing an environment where say, you know, we're going to talk about hard and vulnerable, difficult topics um, in a culture of Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, that's very um, PRing, you know, putting on your best self and painting a picture of, you know, how great life is. And those, those short medium forums of Snapchat or Vine or back in the day, Vine, TikTok, they don't really tend to long didactic dialectical conversations where people are really able to open up and dive deep into certain topics. So I agree with you, probably in, in the past, in a public forum, um, I doubt, and I could be wrong, I'm not a historian at this level either, but I doubt that they're talking, standing up and talking about um, abuse, maybe outside of a religious sphere. Um, and even then, I don't know to what extent, that leads me to my next question, which is the topics that you pick. You know, you recently had to cancel the and postpone the the abuse talk, I know, but you had one on adoption, you had one on cancer, and you've kind of moved away from, hey, just come and share a story. And you're now theming those stories around um, topics that are specifically taboo within Arab culture. And then, so my question is one, how do you come about and and find these topics, decide what to talk about? Do you have a team that you're working with? And two, how do you decide on who to have speak at these, especially when they're topic specific and how are you vetting those people? Okay, so many things to address and that's so many. Okay, I'll go a step back and uh, you use the word force. I don't think uh, I am forcing it upon uh, people here. And I'll give you an example. Also, you said that the abuse one has been postponed or canceled. It wasn't, it happened. Um, or and, did. Yeah, it did. And and actually, the abuse event is a good example uh, to address the whole force uh, uh, word that you used. And um, the abuse didn't happen because I wanted it to happen. The abuse was never anywhere close to my radar. I didn't. Th I luckily. Uh, I, I didn't experience it. And actually, there's a whole story. I thought I didn't experience it, but then the event happened and I realized I was su su uh, uh, suppressing some <laughs> childhood memories, which was interesting. That's a whole different story. Mm. Um, wow. But the reason the abuse one happened is in a, in a couple of other true story tent gatherings and open themed gatherings, uh, a, a couple of women particularly shared stories about the, their sexual abuse. 
And uh, it happened once, it happened twice, it happened three times. And then I got wow. messages from, uh, this is particularly from women sharing, telling me that they have been abused and they would like, for, first they asked, is it okay if I come and share? And I'm like, absolutely. And then they would suggest, why don't we do wow. an event on abuse? And I would be completely honest. I felt it was so heavy oh that I wasn't keen. I really wasn't, and selfishly, 100% selfishly. But it ha kept happening so frequently, Lucas. Uh, at some point in one of the events that uh, I was in, uh, the Courage event, uh, 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 one of the women shared a story on their abuse. And after the event, there were like six, I think it was five or six women that came and gathered together and started discussing this matter so passionately. And when I came out, they came directly at me and told me, we need to do an event on abuse. This was not from wow. me. This didn't come from me at all. And at some point I felt like I couldn't look away. This is, this is what's being demanded of me by the universe. Cause you know, like it kept happening over and over and over again. And so it happened and we did it. And it was one of the hardest events that I have uh, uh, experienced. If, I, if I'm gonna be completely honest, halfway through, I just wanted it to end. It was so difficult to sit through. And I assumed as well yeah. that only women would come up and share uh, stories of their sexual abuse, but men as well came up and shared stories about being sexually abused, which never occurred to me that that would ever happen, particularly from that is men, you know? Crazy. Uh, and that is crazy. So that is that is to answer how do how do these events come together? They come they come the 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 themes come in different forms and in different ways. I try to leave an open. I try to be open with uh, with what comes my way. Sometimes I I am curious, particularly about a specific theme, so I pursue it because I I'm you know I want to grow in a certain area, and I and I have been very curious about certain things, and I want to explore it further. And uh, since I have a platform that I organize, which allows me to hear out people's experiences, then I would choose a theme that is in particular interest to me. But then in other instances, like adoption wasn't from me at all. It was suggested by two other people. Abuse was suggested by so many people, almost felt like it was suggested by the universe. Uh, so it comes in various forms and ways. And that's also a good example as to why I don't feel like at this point I am forcing these things upon people, but it's now people seeing this platform as a way to voice their, to, to, to get their voices out. And so they, they approach True Story Tent as a, as a, as a way to, to put their stories out there, to, to, to share an experience that they think is worthy of being shared that it might help others or even as a form of therapy although i i always say that we're not we're not an alternative to therapy but i think there is therapeutic value in standing there yeah. bare in front of people and just shedding some of your past it takes a lot of courage to stand up and and share about your abuse like that or even to stand up about your your battle with cancer or um your you know, the, the shame that comes from being adopted, um, the pain that comes from being adopted in some ways, the, the pain and joy. Um, but especially in, on that abuse one, I mean, that sounds... Um, Bro, it was difficult, man. It I was mean, so the, difficult. Like, yeah, uh, for someone male or female 
to stand up and and openly share, especially in this culture. Um, I mean, in, in the West, I I couldn't imagine um, how frightening that would be, let alone here. Um, what was what was the room like in in that one? What was the kind of the the, the atmosphere? Bleak, uh, at least from my perspective, it was. It was so heavy. It was so heavy. I at at some point, like midway, I, I was like, I just need to leave the room, but I can't be the one who leaves. So you know, I'm organizing this thing. I have to sit through this, and it was so heavy. But it was heavy to me. But like, it had to. You had. It had to be um, said, and it had to be heard. Uh, yeah. It needed to it needed to happen whether I liked it or not whether I enjoyed it it's not meant to be enjoyed but it was meant to be a reality check as to what's happening and the suffering that goes I mean I'm still working on a, I'm working on a podcast on that and honestly it's I'm, I'm kind of scared to re-listen to that uh, episode uh, that that evening. Uh-huh. I'm work. I have my own issues that I'm working through, and uh, I have to figure out a way to just be able to work through it and be able to present this to people who actually need to hear it. It's not about me. I realize that, but from my perspective, it was not an enjoyable experience, um, and it needed to be done and it needed to be said. And I'm I'm very glad that it happened, despite how painful uh, or uncomfortable it was. Yeah, that I mean, that sounds very uncomfortable, very painful. Um, and in some ways, I, like you said, it's it's not about you, but it's you feel like you have this responsibility and this purpose um, to the community that you're now serving. That that you've kind of fallen into this. Um, but in in other ways, you know, you are a filter, especially in the podcasts. Where you where you sit down and you have to listen to someone's story and, and you call them up and you interview them and then you have to edit that and put it together. In some ways, that is being filtered through who you are and your experience. And in some ways, it's this. I'm I'm sure that it's this kind of two way street where it's you're processing as you kind of alluded to that you're processing through your own the your own pain in your life through hearing some of these stories you're processing through um probably abandonment through you know hearing some adoption stories you might be processing through feelings of death through you know these cancer stories and and you're very very close and not personal and so i'm sure a lot of other people are interested as well but i'm interested to know how has how has this changed you how have you changed or developed or morphed grew as a as a person from when you started this until now hmm uh man so so many things happened has uh, happened in the last couple of years since i started true story tent um and i don't know how much to attribute to true story tent itself and how much it has to do with my other life experiences that I've went through or I'm still going through. But, um, 
if I'm going to narrow it down to true story, tent one thing that it's been has become absolutely clear to me, and it wasn't before, is that sense of uh, being at the right time in the right place and doing the right the thing that I am supposed to be doing right now. I can tell you right now with almost almost a hundred percent certainty. I, I always like to leave some room for uncertainty that. I am doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing right now. I can't tell you about tomorrow or the next year, but right now mm -hmm. I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that was unclear when I first started True Story Tent. That was unclear when I spoke to you the first time in your podcast. I had theories and hopes and goals, and I still do, but like it's clear now. It's uh, you said earlier when we were speaking. You said, "Of course, uh, it 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 feels great to be able to give back to the community, to do things for other people." You almost said it like it's a given, but it's not a given. It's not clear. It's not clear for. It wasn't clear to me, you know. And I think it might not be a lot of us. And we mm. had this conversation in the past. Uh, we seek pleasure. It's just how we've been conditioned by mm -hmm. media to seek pleasure. So it's not a given that for you to live a more fulfilled, happier life, that you need to be doing something for others and other people. And for me, this is it because I could be doing many other things, but why this feels the, the most right to me is because my set of experiences life experiences and life skills that I've gained since the day I was born till today somehow feels like it was meant to to come to this and 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 this what you see right now is only the beginning because this is just so far it's the events in Oman mainly and the podcast the other forms of communicating or reaching people in the way that we're doing right now, but in different mediums and in other ways that I, I don't want to give out too many things. But the point being, it feels like what I've experienced and what I've learned and all the, the, the crap that I went through in my life, it makes sense. Everything that I went through made sense for where I am right now. And it makes sense right now. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know if it will make sense a year from now, but it makes sense right now. And that has, that's what has changed. Um, of course, leave aside all this, the topics that people have covered in True Story Time that I've never, ever, ever considered, you know, adoption never crossed my mind. Never. Mm. It wasn't a consideration. I knew they were adopted human beings, but I never actually thought about the matter of adoption. I never sat and thought, I wonder if an Omani child is born here and their the parents ab abandoned them, uh, what would their life be, you know, uh, and, and what would it be like if they got adopted? It never occurred to me. But speaking to all these people who have been adopted and putting the event together and then editing the podcast. And when you edit uh, such a highly edited podcast, you, you are forced to listen to the same story over and over and over and over again. And you know the, the style of our podcast is I will ask very specific questions based on very specific moments within a person's story. So you have to really be listening and analyzing and... Yeah and uh, trying to understand the full scope of, uh, of a person's story. Um, and 
I can tell you now with certainty if if I ever am lucky enough to be able to afford it and to find a partner that is supportive of this, I would totally adopt 100%. 100%. And that was not something that I would ever have amazing. done a year ago or before this event would happen, you know? And imagine this, the adoption situation with so many different stories that never, ever occurred mm. to me that I experienced through listening to to people sharing their experiences in true story. So I, I cannot even, I don't even know where to begin with like how I've changed. I have to like sit down and, and write it down somewhere. Do you feel like you've grown in compassion? Like, do you feel like you've, now when you, you look at someone, do you ask yourself, I wonder what their, the story is behind their life? And do you, do you approach people who just regardless with a little bit more compassion or empathy, um, do you, do you feel like that is something through, through listening to all these stories, especially around some of these much more difficult topics, do you feel like it's kind of opened you up to feel kind of the pain and the suffering, not only of your own experience as an individual, but of, of humanity around you? And, and has that resulted in, in a growth of love and compassion for others? I hope so. I really hope so. Um, and I, it's, it's, tr it's me trying. I don't feel like it's, it, I don't think like, I always feel like it's it's conscious effort or like conscious effort that I'm putting in. Um, I have a hard time. Maybe maybe I'm revealing too much, but I have a hard time believing that I'm just innately a good person and just a, with my eyes shut and my mind closed that I could, I will be just doing great things. No, I feel like I'm actively trying to be more compassionate and more understanding, and I'm flawed, so. Sometimes I might think I'm doing something that is totally right. And then upon reflection, or even maybe a couple of years later, I realized that, no, I was totally off. I thought I understood the situation and I didn't. But I think what's important, uh, not just for me and for others who I try to surround myself with, is like that, that, that they're actually trying to be more compassionate and understanding of others. I appreciate that in people, and I hope mm. that I have that as well. You know, I'm trying, uh, and man, do I mess up? You know, <laughs> like, um, uh, like, uh, yeah, we all do. I, yeah, I'm, true story tent has not made we me a saint, a saint. Not it hasn't, but it, <laughs> it, it had it it has made me made me more aware of specific or certain things that I wasn't aware of before, and that helps me when I'm trying. When I do try to be more compassionate, I have more frames of references. I have more understanding of a situation that I wouldn't have had other times. I'm just, just trying, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, gosh, it's difficult. Um, and you're, and you're right. It's not something that, that automatically happens. I know in my life too, it's not something that automatically happens in my life. Um, but it's something that I have to to work at, you know, stopping and having um, compassion for other people around me and, and stopping to seek to understand their story and their, their pain and where they're coming from and, and what they need and how I could possibly um, help someone who, who 
you know, I don't want to say less fortunate because um, then it kind of this implies that, you know, that I don't have issues in my own life too. But we can all look around and help one another. We can all look around and serve one another. And we can, you know, you and I can look at each other and, and see our own our own pain and see the other person's pain, our own struggle and the other person's struggle. And we can still reach out and in some way lend a hand or, you know, care for one another or show love to one another um, in the midst of our own brokenness and our own weakness. But... um. And, and I hope that I hope yeah, that, that true story of... has helped me with with that. I think it has, and but that is what I hope it does for others who listen to the podcast and who attend the gatherings. That is like the main thing that I hope it would do. So, um, I definitely feel like it 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 helps me in my quest of being a better person because it has provided me with all mm-hmm. these people's life experiences. I was fortunate, I'm so fortunate to have these people come up to a stranger, me, and like, uh, and decide, you know what, I will share this, the most intimate parts of my life. That's, uh, that's a, that's something that people don't gen- generally get, you know, how lucky am I to be able to get that? So I- I'm trying to make the most out of it by, for my own personal growth. And boy, do I have a lot of personal growth to do, you know. Um, I, I think particularly now I'm in a phase where I've been reading quite a bit of different books and trying to understand things a little clearer. And True Story Tent has been aiding me with that. And hopefully it will continue to help me grow and others as well who uh, attend um, attend and listen to our content or possibly even watch our content in the future, you know. Yes, you we've talked about and you've mentioned a couple times about purpose and you feeling in in this episode in this interview you've mentioned multiple times that you feel for the first time in your life that you're in the right place in the right time doing what you were designed to do right now um and that so much of what's happened before in your life has led up to this point um for someone listening or for someone that's coming to True Story Tent and has been at every event, or maybe this is the first time they've heard of you, and they're searching for that purpose to feel like I found my place. I found, you know, in this moment at least, that I am, I am, am responsible to something. That I'm, I'm carrying a weight. That I am, I am doing what I can to face the darkness that lies within the world and transform it into, into hope and into light. Um, for someone who is kind of lost and trying to put the pieces together, from your experience, what would you say would be kind of some of those first steps? Or even, you know, when you first started True Story Tent, it's not like you immediately felt that. What are some of the steps that they can do begin to feel that in their life or find that or discover that, uncover that in their life? Someone recently sent me, uh, and I wish I can remember the name of uh, this person, but I can't, but I will tell you what I got out of it. They sent me a video of, uh, and if any listeners listening and you, you know, just send it over if you know the name of the person. And this person was talking about how she, um, she would give lectures and teach people uh, uh, 
to pursue their passion and to to seek to to pursue their passion and to live passionately and to find the things that they're meant to be doing their purpose right but then mm-hmm. people would come back to her and says like yeah but like i i know this i know this but i just don't know what my passion is what is it like if you're you're lucky that you found your passion so you could easily say pursue it but i don't know what my passion uh-huh. is so what am i supposed to do like it bums me out it makes me depressed when you tell me to pursue my passion when i don't know what my passion is it's a it's a mm-hmm. it's a crappy place to be isn't it and you know what i took out of her video what she said in the end that i and it was something that i have done unaware like unconsciously like unaware of that me that i did that the conclusion was of what she was saying was instead of pursuing your passion if you don't know what that is pursue your curiosity mm. find what you're curious about and follow that pursue it become good at it see where it takes you and perhaps that develops into a passion and perhaps that passion develops into a purpose where you're not just doing it for yourself now you're doing it mm. for others but to be kind to yourself to not put all that pressure on yourself pursue your curiosity when she said that i was like that is exactly what happened with true story tent that is the the story that we just said in the beginning of this episode here i started true story tent because i was just curious i wonder if i had such an event here in the middle east what kind of stories would people share in such a culture that doesn't allow for aib to come out you know like i wonder what would happen mm-hmm. i was curious but what came out of it was it it gave so much more value to people than i imagined um it, it developed into like what else can i do to make people feel more more comfortable what else can i do to be able to spread these stories further out beyond the event um drawing drawing on my previous skills building new skills uh example is starting a podcast which i've never done before but that was drawing from my previous filmmaking skills and before you know it what used to be a curiosity is now it became a passion and that passion translated into meaning and purpose uh, and i now i feel like i'm at the right place at the right time and this curiosity might lead you nowhere and uh, i've been curious about plenty 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 of things in my life you know and and they're fun and they will, they will they'll teach you skills that you may use later at a future time maybe it won't be all that useful to you right now but my advice for people is exactly that the advice that i heard from this woman be kind to yourself if you don't know what your passion is and pursue your curiosity but once you're able to find that passion that. once you're able to find that pa- passion you have identified it run run towards it put all the work necessary to towards that passion that you found but before you get there just pursue your curiosity. Mm. I think that's powerful and um something that I I've, I've been hearing throughout this this um conversation with you is that we 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 started with talking about, you know, the kind of foundation basis of true story tent and and how so many of us are disconnected from um life on life relationship and kind of that family community feel um and that technology you know we're 
spending, you know, the youth, you know, under 35 are spending so many hours on devices and social media and email and phone calls. And it's, it's actually this feeling of being connected, but we're not. Um, and it's creating more isolation. And I find within your story, it seems like it started with out of this point of curiosity, as, as you've said, but you're, when you, what do you, whenever you've talked about purpose or meaning or feeling like you have a responsibility, it has never been to necessarily your quote unquote passion point. It's been your purpose has been connected to people. And I see that often I, I've noticed this in my life in the, in the last 10, 10 or so years. I often, I often pursue my passion and I have a, a propensity to forget the people within the midst of it. And I think that, well, if I become excellent at my passion, then that will turn into a purpose and that will turn into this feeling of fulfillment and meaning and connection. Um, but it rarely does, except for when it comes back and overlaps with people in my life. And it's when it's serving people, connecting with people and giving towards people that that passion actually becomes transformed into something that has purpose and meaning. Because everything that we do, whether it's designing a building, sending a rocket to Mars, or like Musk trying to build a thousand rockets to go to Mars, um, it all has to do with connecting to people, whether we're a, a biologist or a, a, a media creator, we're, we're asking the question, how can we connect with people? How can we serve other people around us. And I think that's one thing that I've been learning is where passion and passion transforms into purpose is when it's actually touching people's lives. And in looking at kind of your story arc and looking where you've come from and even have, as you've articulated, that it's the people and the serving the people and connecting with the people and breaking down kind of this, these ideas of false intimacy via social media and sitting face to face and disconnecting and looking in someone's eyes, that that is what kind of fuels that feeling of purpose and connectivity. And so I would, I would encourage others as well that as you're pursuing that curiosity and finding out what that passion is, always keep in mind of and ask yourself the question, how can this connect to other people? How can I serve community through this curiosity, through this passion? How can I go together with someone rather than going alone? And in Abdullah, that's one thing that I admire so much about you is has been your ability to um, mobilize and solidify and bring together this really strong community that um, it's just it's just incredible to see you have this this touch and this influence and um, this purpose from that community, and I think that is just such an amazing gifting. Um, I read this. Really I, I read this quote. Uh, it's an unknown quote. Uh, it, it doesn't say who the author is. Um, uh, many years ago, before True Story Tent, and I, in the, on the surface, it seems very simple. But for whatever reason, it stuck with me and it resonated. And I still, I still refer to it from time to time. And the quote goes like this: 
If you do not know what to do with yourself, do something for someone else. That's the whole quote. Mm. But I don't know where I was in my head at that particular point. But when I read that, that resonated. It resonated really strong. And, uh, and, it's, and it made a lot of sense to me. And it, everything you said earlier, I absolutely believe that you're spot on. That is exactly when passion turns into purpose. It's when you're no longer doing it just for you, but you're doing it for other people. And, um, and so if you don't know what to do with yourself, you feel lost, just go try do something for someone else. Uh, it, it has helped me immensely come out of dark places and it has helped others as well, who I, uh, who have, uh, who I've told this quote to come out of dark places. Um, and thank you for your kind words. And I would like to, um, uh, not get into this next, uh, I, I want to segue into, um, another conversation, but perhaps we'll have this conversation a year from now. And, and mm -hmm. I just, uh, I want to say that despite everything I said, and if I'm going to be completely honest and I'm saying this live for everyone to hear, I don't, I still do not feel entirely at peace. I feel better than I was before. You know, I'm definitely at a better place than I was before. And I, I feel like my life uh, is driving towards something. And that is a great feeling to have. And, uh, but I do not, I still do not feel like I'm in a place of complete peace. Uh, and and mm. the conclusion or the realization that I've been coming to lately, and this is a conversation that we'll have perhaps a year from now, is the thing that is missing perhaps is, uh, you know, I, I've been told pursue your passion and I've been told do things for mm -hmm. other people. And I've done all of, I've, I'm doing all of that and it's definitely working and it's helping and I'm more at peace than I was before. But what is lacking that I have realized lately is um, a connection to something that's bigger than just me and spirituality in general. And um, that is part of my journey forward. And it's so fresh that I will just leave that here now. And hopefully we can talk about this at uh, maybe a year or two from today. Well, Abdullah, I love that. You know, one thing I love about our our friendship, and it really has over the years has grown into a friendship that I really I love having. And I'm glad that I can call you friend um, is that the the depth of conversation that you and I are able to have around spiritual things. Um, and so I, I look forward to as well as I'm sure all the listeners are on the edge of their seats with that cliffhanger that they're going to have to wait a year or so for. Um, and so I, I can't, I can't wait as well to have that conversation um, with you in the future because i i'm very curious you're 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 genuinely a big part of this uh, lucas you're 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 definitely a big part of this uh this quest as well you and a lot of other conversations that i've had and a lot of things that i've read and a lot of life experiences that i have experienced i mean i've experienced some stuff i'm not even ready to talk about right now but you were a, a big yeah. part of the, the conversations that we had, uh, whether it be it on the podcast or outside of the podcast, is definitely conversations that I think back to uh, and reflect on uh, uh, sometimes. So that you, you've been a, a part of this journey. And um, 
I hope you'll remain part of this journey as we 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 as we grow older. You know. Well, I have no plans of going anywhere. <laughs> um, and and thank you for those those very kind and honoring words. That really means a lot to me. Um, which I think, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a whiplash. This question that's going to come, but we got a question from the listeners to wrap this up, and I think um, it it fits appropriately here. Um, but before I get into that question, again, thank you, um, Abdullah, so much um, for those kind words. That really, really means a lot to me, and our friendship really means a lot to me as well. The same here, um, bro. Thank but, you. But when we're talking about things that you might be missing in your life, um, someone sent this message, and I'm going to actually play the audio for you right now. Are you, are you ready? Okay. Hey, it's Khalid TKD. And I have a question for Mr. Abdullah. The question is, how come until now you are still not married? <laughs> That's the problem. And the other question yeah. is, who is, is Kumbe? Could you share this with us, please? <laughs> Abdullah, why, why are you not, not married? married? Maybe, Maybe that's, that's the thing that you're missing. You're missing. <laughs> First of all, I know Khalid Tika, he's my brother-in-law. <laughs> uh, yeah, he married my sister, and this is like a constant conversation with my sister, with my mom, with now my brother-in-law, with my grandma, um, <laughs> and now with me here on the podcast. Um, uh, well, I'm working towards it, I guess. I mean, I don't know how much more I can say about it. I, I want to make sure that I, I, I am with the right person. And to me, I think right now the right person is the person that I could see uh, growing with in a direction that I want to grow towards and that they're growing in a similar, not the same, but a similar direction, or at least have that inclination of growth and becoming better versions of themselves. I think that is um, that is something that I, I look for in a partner. And um, mainly, I, I want to make sure that starting from myself first, that um, I can sustain my own growth and uh, be able to become a, a a better person for me so that I can live with myself, you know, uh, and be the, uh, the truest version that I could be of myself before I demand that of anyone else or, I don't know, Absolutely. man. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I think I don't want to say any more, anything more than that. Yeah, I think that's it. And Kumbe is my cat. I have a cat now. Uh, ah. He is four months old. He is the most vicious, most violent, lovable uh, cat you'll ever meet. I, I'm in so much pain. I have bruises and cuts everywhere. <laughs> but I don't know why I love this. <laughs> I don't want to curse, but this uh, this this cat. <laughs> I love the cat. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Well, I, th I think that's a I think that's a great answer. You know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people go into marriage thinking that, you know, two halves make a whole and that they just need to find their other half and that their other half will somehow be able to, you know, fix their problems. But, uh, you know, broken pre people break people and whole people heal people. So it's really two holes make another hole, you know. And so I think that's, you know, the right answer, Abdullah, and I'm... I'm glad that well, you're, well, well, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm not ready to end this conversation. I want to bring it back to you, though. 
<laughs> oh, Be because like even though I don't want to say much about my very specific personal life, because I am, I'm still, I'm like nothing is confirmed from me. I'm not married, you know. I'm in the process of like uh, you know finding a suitable partner, if you will. But you are, and you're mm -hmm. in a very happy marriage with four children, mashallah. Um, uh, what was it like for you? Uh, finding your wife Rachel like what what were you looking for and what did wow. you find in her that made you want to commit thank you for tuning into this episode of own the future with Abdullah and this is where we're going to end our conversation for today we actually Abdullah and I went on to talk for probably about another 45 minutes about his question and it was a great conversation but Abdullah asked for us to hold that conversation back so that he can sit down again on our podcast here at Own the Future with my wife and I so he can ask us the hard questions with both of us in the room live. So stay tuned for that upcoming episode in the near future. Until then, please go and check out True Story Tent podcast, Abdullah's amazing work and the community's amazing, amazing stories. So go check that out at True Story Tent on Instagram. And remember, I'm Lucas Crowbot. You are a change maker. And if you own your story, you can own the future.